0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Changing your looks does not make you happy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and for me, I think there's a, there's a very real mental health risk mm-hmm. and link between why are you doing that? Or why do you feel the need to do that? Or why is the pressure mm-hmm. of looking like that getting to you?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Hello and welcome back to Beautiful Lives, the podcast in which I, Madeline Spencer, invite a guest to reflect on the parts of their life story where beauty rituals or products have played a role and how what they saw in the mirror or perceive they saw in the mirror has had an impact. Today I'm joined by the award-winning beauty expert Alison Young. Alison started her career working in salons before helming a show at QVC which she still hosts to this day. Along the way, she's amassed a cult following, consulted for scores of brands, and given much, much advice to many people she encounters, sometimes in the most bizarre of circumstances, as she explains in the episode. Staunchly anti-surgery and injectables, Alison champions the approach of being in control of beauty and not letting it be in control of you. In this episode, Alison explains how she came to those views, as well as shedding some light on how a girl growing up in the North with a vested interest in horse riding, came to be one of the most influential women in beauty. Here's Alison. So I am in my sitting room with Alison Young. That feels like an incredibly surreal thing to say, given that I've watched QVC since I was very young. Welcome to the show, Alison. Oh, thank you, Maddy. So we're
1: going to go back, as we always do, to your early life. So could you explain a little bit about what that looked like? Um, oh, early life was the northeast of England. Moved around lots of different places because mm-hmm. my dad was in department stores and uh, House of Fraser. Okay. Um, so he got promoted a lot around there, and we basically moved to follow his job. So mm. um, when it was there, I had a you know wonderful at home mum. I had a you know a proper lovely childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, a dog in the house, and mum walked me to school every day when I was mm. in infant school. Yeah. You know, and it but it wasn't a glamorous one. You know, we didn't go out to dinners or parties or restaurants. There wasn't even takeaways in those days. It was fish and Mm -hmm. chips on a Friday, apart from me, not the fish, because I'm allergic
2: um,
1: as well. And uh, always crazy in those days about, you know, horses and dogs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me then... Going to stables, working in stables on a weekend, you know, begging them for a horse, not getting a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the childhood was there. It wasn't a glamorous childhood. It was mm-hmm. a very normal childhood. And I had a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I still have a brother. Yeah. Um, who's a complete swat. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Which almost made me feel not swat-like. OK. Because I wanted to be a little bit the opposite oh yeah and also yeah and and, you know I had dyslexia as a child Mm -hmm. as well but that wasn't diagnosed then because it wasn't in those days which I think was probably easier because Mm -hmm. if you're labeled with something I think sometimes the label is worse than what it is, while I was just like my mum and everyone just coped with me Mm -hmm. and I I read in my own time, which wasn't until nine or ten years old before I Mm -hmm. actually started to read sentences. Mm -hmm. Maths I always find difficult um as well. And, you know, eczema and psoriasis as well. So skin was always difficult from a child. I used to be wrapped up in bandages, Mm -hmm. my hands wrapped up in bandages to stop me scratching. My nails kept short to stop me scratching. So I I would bleed. Um, you know, so have blood on the bed sheets and bleed with scars all over my body from the from the ex in the they, early years what would they wrap you in um cotton just, uh, just uh, cotton bandages mm-hmm. just like you would as it, i don't know if you sprained a wrist yeah but then i would have cotton bandages you know wrapped in there and i had and my mum soon worked out things like i couldn't have radiators on in the room i couldn't have any sort of heat i was best kept cold
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i definitely was best with cotton so i always had cotton t-shirts underneath the jumpers because in the north mm-hmm. you always wore jumpers uh, there was never you know t-shirts are Vests, yeah. as far as we were concerned, when we moved down south, and we didn't yeah. move down south till I was like seventeen.
3: If beauty didn't really have a place aside from this problem-solving element of it, was there anyone who sparked excitement in you about what beauty could do?
1: um I mean, that that would probably be my mum as well, because it was then seeing. Um, I think growing up in the north is actually giving me. Um, very much a view of, you know, different treatments and products around the country Mm -hmm. and just what the value of one product is. And if you, you know, the first, yes, we've all done it, making the rose perfume. But I was a tomboy, so I wasn't really into makeup. I didn't Mm -hmm. do dolls, I did teddy bears you know right. and, and my dog I wasn't a doll person or a mm-hmm. pretty pretty you know if you put me in a dress I'm really grimaced I just wanted a new pair of joggers. yeah you know or jeans that's what I wanted to wear yeah um uh, but then she was always um just someone that just wore every day day should wear a lipstick and a tinted moisturizer mm-hmm. and then if she went out it would be just a different colored lipstick it would mm-hmm. be an Estee Lauder one she'd always buy it it was always the same color it was then saved for special occasions and then an Estee Lauder foundation Which, again, the foundation only went on on special occasions, which is only maybe two or three times a year Right. um, in those days. And what
3: colour was the lipstick during the day and what colour was the lipstick on special occasions? Yeah, the lipstick
1: was a a pale pink during the day and was just basically a deeper pink. Right. But not bright because Mm -hmm. she didn't wear a very strong... Mm-hmm. look but mm-hmm. she treasured that lipstick it was even the ones that she wouldn't wear they were on the dressing table yeah. and you know along with the face powder and i remember the white linen fragrance and mm-hmm. then she had allergy skins so she always liked the fragrances in the solid fragrances oh. so then she'd keep all the little solid boxes like keepsakes that you'd get from mm-hmm. lauder and the different fragrances and even when they were empty she'd keep them because they were like little ornaments oh, amazing. as well and sort of lined up on the dressing table yeah well they are quite beautiful aren't they yeah did you sneak in ever to use? Them or... I'd sneak in I wouldn't necessarily use them I'd sneak in to have a look
3: yeah
1: um so there was always the top drawer of the dressing table and and in there was then you know the the, the nearly finished lipstick and the new lipstick mm. but again that was only a purchase you know that was a treat. if she needed a new lipstick it was like in those days a new pair of shoes yeah. it was then you would dress up you'd put your best outfit on you'd put your best shoes on or which were about to come your second best shoes mm-hmm. you'd go into town it would be a ritual she would look forward to mm. buying that one lipstick or that one foundation which was literally a purchase once a year and then the rest of the time it was more things like using you know Nivea and cold creams just to keep the skin conditioned and using sunscreens during the Mm. summer so it wasn't a massive glamorous beauty routine and Mm. and and still today you know I'd say to someone that does that you know well done you're in control of your beauty beauty is not in control of you and if you don't want anti-wrinkling and anti-aging and you know to try and keep up with the insta image good on you um and i think almost you know i do get some uh, followers and customers when i meet them that i'll actually say well, I've, I've only got a small makeup bag and they'll say it as if they're embarrassed it's like you know what well done yeah brilliant you're not confused you're just doing your own thing if, that's absolutely fine just keep repeat purchasing yeah. that favorite i can help you find that favorite yeah. yeah which has become more and more difficult nowadays
3: if someone said to you when you were 10 what are you going to be when you grow up what would you have said absolutely no
1: idea no there was no master plan mm-hmm. um there was almost the anti-master plan mm-hmm. my brother was a, was a straight a student he was a swat what he, does he loved do homework now? um oh he's a superstar i call him james bond he's um does consultancy in you know massive tv corporations he was
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know finance director of itv managing director of bbc worldwide and university was logical to him while to me possibly maybe because of my dyslexia mm. um it was it doesn't seem logical why I don't like school I Mm. find school hard Mm. I find revising etc hard because it goes in differently in my brain then
3: one of the things about teenagers is they love to find a way to look and cults and groups and gangs and so where did you fit in there and
1: were you at that point sort of changing the way you looked or the way you behaved to fit in with a group um no i wasn't changing the way but i do certainly the difference between the north and the south was in the north everyone was a heavier mode to group uh, um uh, that you they followed their music ah in their outfits you know it was like embroidering your jeans or embroidering you know with led zeppelin and everyone yeah. on there i was a i was a david bowie fan though mm-hmm. so that was my music so mm-hmm. that gave me a little bit of the blue fo- food coloring and the screaming of my dad when i came down the stairs yeah on the hair and the you know the blue eyeliner or putting mm-hmm. the ziggy stardust across the face and things like that
3: and where were you buying those cosmetics
1: um they were the as cheap as can yeah um just um in you know the chemist it wasn't about branding it was just about the color to get the look or mm-hmm. you know especially cuz of spotty skin you know just a thick concealer yeah to probably it was bright pink in those days the yeah. concealer base cuz the skin tone bases weren't so good it probably mm-hmm made the spot look even more obvious but it was things like when I had the acne skin you know I wouldn't cut my fringe I wouldn't go to the hairdresser I used the fringe to hide my face Mm -hmm. um you know because of acne I'd put concealer on and then I put loads of eyeliner on I was you know it took me many decades to not fall into a pot of eyeliner
2: yeah
1: as well and let go of eyeliner (laughs)
3: yeah
1: and with acne
3: did that affect your confidence
1: yeah Yeah, because, you know, I would put my head down. I wouldn't look people in the eye. um, I would never go to the hairdresser and have my fringe cut. I would have my fringe over the face. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I I would cross the road if I saw people because I wouldn't want to be on the same side of the road. Mm -hmm. You know, I would... At school, I wasn't in the cool gang. You know, the cool gang were almost like these how were they born like that naturally people mm-hmm. pretty people yeah. um with naturally wavy hair that looks styled with naturally glowing skin you know mm-hmm. and that that was the other people that I was almost scared to or didn't want to talk to or felt alienated from mm-hmm. um and I would come away from school as quick as possible and just get into the animals with the horses and the dogs as soon as yeah. as soon as I could put my job as soon as I could run out and play with the dog mm-hmm. the better
3: what made you think I'll go into beauty therapy or go and train as a beauty therapist uh,
1: I'll be honest it was a, there was a process of elimination that you know, my parents wanted me to do further education. I wanted to just ride a horse for the rest of my life and be a groom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was okay. I, I, can't, I will not go to university. I did my A-levels. It's like I will not go to university. Mm-hmm. And I wanted something more hands-on, more working with people, more that it, probably I didn't know that I was thinking this way, but more that was a trade or a qualification. But I wasn't thinking like that. I was just no. thinking what would be more logical to do. If I was going to learn something, I wanted to learn something that I could use. I yeah. didn't want to learn more geography or more maths or more English I didn't understand how you would use that if you do a university degree so then um I came upon uh, the beauty colleges when I was sort of just looking at it and we did have one careers evening and then we went to different colleges around and and the local college would move down south then um and then I thought oh that course that's interesting that that you learn something yes I can you know you can then do treatments you can do clients you can um you know learn about electrical things you can then that becomes suddenly fascinating and made perfect sense to me where were you living at that point Uh, in the south of england so moved down to the south which was a a shock to the system because uh, i didn't have an accent like this um, I've got a hybrid accent now it'll mm-hmm. it'll go you know diviny and I like if I lose my temper mm-hmm. um and I'll go very strong broad mm-hmm. but um, when I moved down south they uh, everyone was in corduroys and hacking jackets. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. no one wore their music in their clothes right. everyone went to the same hairdresser mm-hmm. they all had the same look. It was almost like um watching one of those i don't know zombie films now where everyone <sighs> yeah, walks look. around the stepford wives, everyone. Looked the same. Yeah. It was amazing, like weird. I remember going down on the high street thinking, why do they all look like this? Yeah. Um, they, so you know, what, all... what are they wearing patches on their elbows for? And language-wise, I'd be stopped in supermarkets and be told, you can speak English, please. Really? Yeah. They couldn't understand my accent. Okay. They did not get... Did you, you know, adapt your accent? Then? I th- I didn't deliberately adapt my accent but I obviously had to because I literally was not understood yeah. in school, college, mm-hmm. supermarkets. You know, I remember standing yeah. in a supermarket and I couldn't pay mm-hmm. because they couldn't understand me and they said can you speak English? So then when you were in college, did it feel like
3: a world that you'd found that you thought this is just great and I love it?
1: Suddenly I enjoyed doing homework, suddenly mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing projects, suddenly, you know, I was interested and engaged in lessons. Um the lessons weren't lessons, I looked forward to them, yeah. you know, and I'd never had that before in school, so yeah. it all made sense. I was learning yeah. about something that I could do. I was learning about some way that I could help people, I was learning about, you know, things um that I could see were logical mm-hmm. for, you know, a career or that were beneficial rather than things at school. I could never understand why they were beneficial and my dyslexia didn't seem to affect me when I was engaged. And were you training in you training in skin Yeah, everything. I did the HND course, which then was the highest and still is, I think, the highest qualification Mm. because it required A-levels. So, um, yeah, it did cosmetic science, did business studies. It did all all the beauty therapy, all the electricals, Mm -hmm. um, all body, face, Mm -hmm. hands, nail techs, um, uh, you know, all of that. So once
3: you'd finished, you could have done anything really in the beauty arena. Yeah. So what is it that you chose to do?
1: Um, Went into salons then because really a qualification is only a stepping stone. Um, you've got to get experience. Yeah. And I think that was emphasised, certainly. I had some really great trainers at the, the colleges where I were, uh, well, was. Sorry, there's my dyslexia. Um, and uh, nowadays, I think, when I'm working with colleges or, or working with um, the governing bodies and Babtec and the examining processes, everyone thinks when they've come out with a qualification, that's it, and that they're mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. It's no, you're not, you've started. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm, what, 35 years in the industry, I'm still starting. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, you never stop learning. Um, and so when I came out of college, it was then hands-on, working in some very quiet salons that didn't have any beauty clients, mm-hmm. building up the beauty clients, sweeping the floor for the style director hairdressers, take making cups of tea for their clients to mm-hmm. try and introduce myself to them. I'd buy chocolate biscuits, chocolate one-sided McFitties, mm-hmm. um, and actually, you know, take them in to put mm-hmm. on the side of their... their you know, these weren't part of the job descriptions. You know, I'd go around emptying bins. Mm-hmm. It is... I'd just keep myself busy. I'd tidy up the hair salon. I'd clean my room. I had no appointments. No one knew me. Um, You know, I'm not just going to sit there and hang around and wait for a client. That wasn't in my mentality. I'd go around and keep myself busy and then that got people talking to me and the hairdressers talking to me and then Mm -hmm. the clients talking to me and then you know yes yeah. they'll then come in and have a treatment so I then built that salon up which then took me to the bigger salon
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and then I built that salon up because it was a group of salons that are all over the country and then that got me because it's a SNL group that run the Harrod Salon and that mm-hmm. got me to the Harrod Salon and actually running the the Harrod Salon where mm-hmm. I did a lot of celebrity treatments as mm-hmm. well um and then that took me to uh, I, I then sort of came out of London because I was with some of their salons around the country. And then I actually went to Grayshot Hall Health Farm where, yeah. you know, th- that was a great learning curve. Very yeah. diverse clients. Very diverse treatments.
3: Mm-hmm. And then so you're giving treatments. And for you, did you feel completely content in that career? Or did you suddenly start to think, mm, maybe I could
1: do some other things with this? No, I'm completely content. Really? At, at each stage. Yeah. At each stage, I have never been... I think that's a difference as well I, I i never mapped out my career mm-hmm. i never was discontent right. in anything it's just put your head down do what you do the best that you can mm. at the time that you're in
3: you made a leap from treatments to commercial and we were yeah. talking about this before we started yeah. recording and yeah. saying that that was quite a big leap yeah. so how did that come
1: about yeah, not expected. Um, I'm just running Grayshot Hall. With, you know, worked then in, in the medispa spa, and I had the supermodels come over, and I worked with a lot of people with that I'd had early plastic surgery, not mm. good. Um, body surgery, not good. I saw them naked when the surgeons said they can't do any more. You know, when you're left with an aging body that has actually had too much work on it and things like that. So it was fun times, oh, um, flying yeah. around in helicopters, yeah. doing treatments as well. I had British royalty and international royalty come there and have sort of treatments almost like the first before celebrity facialist or anything was done because I'd do all the facials mm-hmm. um and the advanced treatments there um and one of the treatments I was doing was actually the sales director of Clarins.
3: okay
1: I didn't know who she was everyone wears dressing gowns everyone's naked in the room no one talks about their work yeah um but and then she said I want you to come and work for me in London I said well you know what do you do well I run Clarins. you know so brand you just done a facial but it's the best facial I've ever had yeah what's your day off Thursday Come in, went up there, had, you know, put my best outfit on, my best handbag. Because you only had one handbag. You only had one best outfit in those days. What was your best handbag like? Uh, um, My best handbag was my 21st present. It Mm. was a good one. It was a Gucci handbag. First designer handbag ever had. What did it look like? Uh, It was a Gucci um, uh, beige one, like soft tan colour with the G's all over it. But it was one of the ones that go on forever. That went for 20 years, That handbag. And I still got it. The insides decomposed but I still have it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still in the wardrobe. But, yeah, because I don't buy millions of handbags. No. And uh, yeah, it was um, it was a two-piece navy suit yeah. that I wore mm-hmm. um, as well. And it was in the days that when you, you know, because you got on the tube and everything, it was dirty. You carried your best shoes in a little bag and got on the tube in your second best shoes. And then <laughs> yeah. when you got to the top of the tube or just outside, if you were going in a shop or if you were mm-hmm. going in for an interview, you'd put your... Best shoes on, so they didn't get scuffed. Yeah, because uh, you didn't right. buy best shoes very often. Yeah, um, and uh, did the interview there. She offered me the job at the time. What were you wearing on your face, and what did you use? Um, a black mascara. Mm-hmm. Don't get out of bed without the black mascara. Blonde bob. Mm -hmm. I always had a bob highlighted, possibly Mm -hmm. too much in those days. Um, As well, I wish I'd known elasticiser in those days. Um, And uh, then, you know, quite apart from that, quite a natural look. So the complexion was always made natural because I'd want to look natural on the complexion because with spotty skin, which I'd solved myself through college and then through doing treatments and knowing what to use on it. So I'd got myself through the acne. I'd got myself through the eczema. I knew how to manage my psoriasis. So all Mm -hmm. of those were controlled yeah i think that's quite interesting just to stop there for a second because often people
3: will talk about curing skin conditions and that is a complete myth you don't cure them you do kind of control something that your body wants to do yeah Yeah, exactly so what is what is what was your approach to that and what would you suggest people do
1: yeah my my approach is completely different to every one of my friends everyone of the other professionals that I was working with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was in the health farms and the salons, everyone else that had, all the girls that I worked with, even that were qualified, that had acne spots, they would do um, a million things to their skin and they'd want to use really strong products and they would never use moisturisers. Yeah. So they would clean, 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 strip, 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 peel, squeeze, try and get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. Now, I'd had to get rid of it mm-hmm. through the early teenagers, and it hadn't worked. Yeah. Um, so I tried, you know, I'd been in the kitchen cupboard, I'd shove jiff on my face, I'd mm. shoved domestics on my face, i have done a, just just get this spot, you know, spots that were so massive they hurt and gave you a headache yeah. off my face. So I'd done that and that's bad if anyone's listening, you don't do it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It can burn your skin and cause scarring. Um, and so then when I was doing treatments, my treatments were all about the getting the skin back in balance and and this wasn't even something that the college lecturers had taught it's Mm -hmm. just something that i obviously worked out in my head Mm -hmm. right my oil glands you know overproducing i want to calm down my oil gland but i can't make my oil gland stop Yeah. but i need to stop my i need to stop making my oil gland make so much oil Mm -hmm. and i'd worked out that you know any things that i did at the time of the month at the wrong time of the month made my spots even worse and that if i used a face mask and a face scrub that on in paper or in theory you should use weekly or you know then i would get more spots you know even qualified professionals at that stage they had acne scars Mm -hmm. and went into their 30s with acne scars i went into you know my mid-20s with no scars wow so then i haven't had any laser i've never had any procedures on my face Mm -hmm. you know my funny little wrinkled face is absolutely Mm -hmm. normal for my age Mm -hmm. and i've never had anything to get rid of acne scars or need to get rid of the acne scars because I never let the acne scars establish and one of the sort of big advices on uh, my tutorials now face to face or even uh, I just had one yesterday from you know a mother about her son Mm. is that if you do get scarring from spots or scarring from operations don't get a suntan on them for a year and everyone thinks suntan will disguise them but in actual suntan will darken and thicken them Mm. if it actually happens to your skin within the first year now that's you know a lot of medical professionals will say that now but I was saying that 30 years ago QVC them. So I'd left Clarence, I was doing consultancy for brands, so I was already working with, you know, Evader, OPI, um, uh, you know, L'Occitane brought many of those brands into the country, and they said, well, we'll you know, will you do a screen test for us? I went, yeah, fine, because uh, I'd done TV and radio for Clarence and for other brands, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, talking to one person as far as I'm concerned, it just gives you an opportunity to talk to yeah. more people. We're just telling them. Um, information, I'm not, I'm not, it's not frightening. For yeah. me, I never found it frightening. So it wasn't or daunting at any point? No, no, no. Because uh, I hide behind information, right? Almost, isn't it? You, yeah, I'm, yeah. I have a, a skill, and this information, you know, mm-hmm. people want to hear it, so I never yeah. um, got frightened or anything by it. So I did the screen test, and then they said, right, if you can, if you can find the product and bring mm-hmm. the product on, get paid by the brands, yeah. um, and you can go on air, then we'll see how it goes. Okay. Um, so they didn't have a they didn't have buyers, you know, then they sort of um had logistics people a little bit then and then the beauty buyers came on later. Maybe that's what gave me my point of difference mm. as well there because I came from therapy background. I've lived and worked all over the United Kingdom. I know how important and what a difference one product can make to someone going through breast cancer yeah. or someone, you know, Uh, that's got problematic skin or just someone that is feeling down you know the power of just a new purchase lipstick it wasn't then about everyone having hundreds of products like they seem to have now yeah because the majority of my time you know on when I'm asked with customers or doing events or with my free tutorials it's about nowadays saying what not to use while in the early days it was telling them what to use because they didn't have too much at home they might have bought the wrong product because they bought cheap cheaper product mm-hmm. and it didn't have an ingredient nowadays you have got a choice across price points yes. of certain ingredients but nowadays it's actually i'm spending more time saying no you're doing too much your skin you're confusing it you need mm-hmm. to step back
3: and personally when you saw yourself on tv for the first time and watched back did you think
1: you, you know there's that thing of when you see yourself on tv and you think oh that's what i look like okay number one don't watch yourself back on tv <laughs> okay. I hate my voice don't listen to yourself I've got the squeaky horrible irritating little voice mm. so I don't know why I do tv <laughs> and these sorts of things um no I can't stand the look of myself I like I, I've you've had to grow into that yeah and I think I was uh, speaking actually to um some people uh as well and um in beauty and in mental health recently mm. is that I think um you know so you do grow into yourself I do look back at those photos and actually oh i was pretty yeah but i would never in a billion years consider Mm -hmm. myself attractive or pretty or anything you see your faults i see too skinny flat-chested um you know funny looking face um, squinty eyes you know double eyelids that's what you see because you because you're always hypercritical maybe of yourself incorrectly or correctly Mm. um and you know, never did anything surgically to correct that because mm-hmm. that was never an option. And it just frightened me now mm-hmm. from a mental health point of view that those options are available. And because they're available, people think they should have them or they feel pressured to have them. Yeah. And in actual fact, just a skincare routine, a hair care routine, a makeup, a nail care routine to, to make the best of yourself, mm. whatever that is, whether that's a simple routine just to have conditioned, moisturized skin and shiny hair, mm. um, or whether that's a complex routine with a you know, a lot of makeup and makeup bags, but actually going into, you know, injectables and facelifts and, and things like that, I I find alien and I worry about the mental health issues mm. of it. Yeah, and you haven't done that. I don't understand the logic of doing it. Right. Um, and also you know, I'm allergic to fish and seafood. I take medication for lots of different illnesses. I take medication and have things done by the doctor because they need to be done. Yeah. I don't have them from a cosmetic reason. I find that quite, for me, would be quite, you know, in the early days of it all starting off frivolous. Mm-hmm. I also saw a lot of bad work done yeah. in the health farms in the early, what, when was that, 80s, 90s, yeah. as well. as all the Americans coming over, changing the noses for fashion because then there wasn't Photoshop. So if one of the supermodels needed a new face, she came to stay with me to have treatments for six weeks while she had a new face,
2: oh you know, so that yeah. no
1: one saw her, because you know, yeah. uh, they they then just you know, arrived with a new type of face or a new nose or the new look, um, mm. uh, and then now, uh, no, I, I'm I mean I am adamantly against mm-hmm. it. Yes, I do look in the mirror sometimes with the aging process and like, oh God, I'm looking old or mm, my eyes are looking more lined or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know you do get your weak moments. I, I've never my weak moment never goes to having a treatment it just right. does a okay right let's give yeah. yourself a nice blow dry. right yeah okay put some makeup on today i need more makeup now at yeah. home not just at work you know that sort of thing yeah and i don't um the reason that i don't condone it is uh, for lots of different reasons i think it's um, cosmetic surgery and cosmetic intervention has come into the commercial world it's given pharmaceuticals a direct commercial line to the general public i don't think that's healthy for the general public right. i think that's healthy for the finance of the pharmaceuticals and the medical world the doctors never used to be able to make money out of you when did that change when was a doctor allowed to commercially make money out of you and tell you that he could make your face symmetrical and yes there are some some legitimate people in that industry that will Mm -hmm. tell you no Mm -hmm. and i think my only advice to you is do your research Mm -hmm. um go to several people and the person that says no you shouldn't have it done is probably the person Mm -hmm. that you should have it done with if you want to go that way but I'm not the best person yeah for advice on that but um and and for me um it is why why do you want to change your looks you mm. know I I meet people that um have changed the shape of their nose yet it's their hereditary nose that mm. you know want to change the shape of their face that it's it's now getting to ridiculous times where you know botox parties and 17 year olds you know doing it and doing it more than wearing sunscreen or 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 anything like that and changing your looks does not make you happy um and for me i think there's a there's a very real mental health risk Mm -hmm. and link between why are you doing that yeah um why do you feel the need to do that or why is the pressure of looking like that getting to you Mm. sort of thing because and that's what that's what I worry about
3: do you feel the pressure when you're walking around and you're in the supermarket and you know that you know most people will have watched QVC and know, know who you are do you feel the pressure to put makeup on or to put a face on or yeah. are you quite relaxed about not doing that when yeah, you no, downtime? i do feel
1: pressure yeah you know of that you know there's, there's certain places like you know my little village shop that's still i'm lucky enough because i live in the country to have a lovely little village shop that's mm-hmm. got three generations of families like the waltons yeah um they all pop out of different windows <laughs> and pop onto different counters and yeah. you know so there i can have you know no makeup on you know joppers odd socks on underneath mm-hmm. the wellies um, a, a, and pop in there, and I'll still go in because I live more in the country. I'll still go in the supermarket in wellies mm. and Jobbers. Mm. Um, but it is yes, if my nails are chipped, my hands go over the counter. I'm like, oh god, no, I'm gonna have to do my nails before yeah. I can't because yeah. they recognise my hands, believe it or yeah. not, and they yeah. recognise my voice sometimes yeah. okay. before me because yeah. they're yeah, used yeah. to seeing yeah. um, my hands so much. Or yeah. then I'm, you know, I'm riding a horse. Oh, it's funny ones riding riding a horse. And it's you know when I when I got one of my youngsters because I breed them at home and compete and show jump them. Uh, four years old, first show. Take that, take them out and walk in the course. And Chatting, and talking to myself. in you know, a one, two, three. I'm striding out the, the distance between the double, and behind me, I know that voice. And I'm, the first thing that goes into my mind is like, oh, no, mm. I'm going to fall off today. Mm. This is. <laughs> I'm wear, riding a crazy chestnut that's never been to a show, and now they're going yeah. to film me. Like, yeah. and, then, and I've got to like let go, be with the horse. Yeah, you know. So some sometimes there, or in an ambulance when. Um, I had a a, a reaction and they're picking me up in the ambulance. And as they're, you know, a male ambulance man Mm. is then, you know, injecting into my naked bum Mm. um, to stop me throwing up and taking me to hospital with drips in and everything. He's saying, so the product's really good then. (laughs) And then or I came round from being unconscious in hospital to have the nurses holding my hands like a manicure yeah. and having a conversation over me about my, my manicure matched my pedicure. Oh, really? and, I, and I was wearing a or dressing gown. Yeah. And I come around and go, um. no, I feel awful and I look awful.
3: Yeah. But people want to know there is this massive appetite for authenticity, to yeah. use another buzzword, but people who know what they're talking about and needing that advice because yeah.
1: there's so much now. Yeah, I mean, they do. The I mean, I get saturated. stopped in toilets, stopped in petrol stations. Yeah. I, I don't begrudge that. That's that's my career.
3: Yeah.
1: um, You know, oh, why well, mm. can I just ask you? It is, it's, it's never an autograph or a, nowadays maybe a selfie or a photograph, something mm. like that. It is a question. Yeah. They want to know knowledge. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the that's... beauty knowledge is what I've been become known for and they want to know it customised to them in their lifestyle and are they doing it, you know, right? Um and you know, that that's what they constantly ask me on social media, that's what they constantly ask me Yeah um as well. If we
3: by some magic took you out of your job and your world and said, Okay, you're going to live in maybe not the country, maybe like a okay, you're gonna live in London for a month and you're going to work in Clarence again, let's say, or work in a shop, um, what would be in your makeup bag? What would you go and buy? Well,
1: first of of all, I'd suffocate like a green plant. Okay. Because no matter what time, what hours, Mm -hmm. to go back to fresh air, open space, is my oxygen. Right. It keeps me going. So I've never lived in London, no matter how many hours or long the commute was, just yeah going home to me as a country so yeah so that that is taking me out quite alien but yes i would feel more pressurized if i lived not just in london but manchester glasgow edinburgh mm. any of the capitals you know yeah. cardiff there's beautiful high streets now there's beautiful capitals mm. uh, i call them the capitals of the country and that keep, that's why i'm out of the london bubble because yeah. i've been in all of those capitals and you know they've got a culture they've got nightlife they've got you know great art and mm-hmm. um, work and everything great museums all around those capitals of the uk and ireland um is that yeah if i lived in those areas i'd spend far too much money in the coffee <laughs> um on the on the lattes because i have about 12 a day yeah i would sp- I, I would uh, my makeup bags would be much bigger mm-hmm. as in it would be a london makeup bag yeah i'd feel pressurized into buying too many clothes mm-hmm. um because uh and i will, i would eat eat out too mm-hmm. much mm-hmm as well which would all be too expensive so my lifestyle would be too expensive yeah um you know which is why so many people then in in the capital should we say Mm. around the UK they are you know they're in rent because they can't afford the houses the you know the um the, the nightlife etc the amount of money that you spend just on food you know i come from packed lunch era yeah, yeah and yeah. making a sandwich and i'll yeah. still make a sandwich at a pack lunch now to take yeah to you know to take to amazing, go to work yeah. i'm not that yeah. frugal but yeah, yeah, yeah i will yeah. be like you know or if i'm going out for the day or if i know the day's going to be busy yeah you know there's nothing better than a homemade sandwich with salad cream and so, are you into organic food is that something that's important to you i would love to be right Uh, but even me living in the country, where do you buy it? Are the shops open? Mm -hmm. Um, Does it stay fresh in the house? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not, and I know people that are, um, I know people that are into it and they do it really well, but they, I think there's two schools of of people that maybe do it and if there's anyone out there and they do it well and they want to give me some advice, please do contact Mm me um, (laughs) on social media because I do find that either you get the high flyers Mm -hmm. um, that have like made it in, their world and especially the beauty or the fashion or the model or the actressing industry and then when you meet them and they're telling me that i should do more yoga or they're telling me or telling us on air Mm -hmm. that you should eat organic food they've got a chef
2: Mm. you
1: know they're having food sent in yeah they're having pas organize their food they are not having yeah to go out i remember meeting um horse Reckelbecker from a founder of Aveda and um you know, he was very into that lifestyle, but he was already a self-made millionaire. Yeah. If, if not billion, you know, not billionaire, but multimillionaire. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, chefs all over the world can book into the hotels that can give you organic, etc. Can have someone fill your fridge up with organic. It must be easy mm. to go and open your fridge door and it's full yes. of anything that you can eat that's good. Yeah. While you know, I'm like at a petrol station. I'm exhausted. I you know i've got i'm I'm thinking i'm gonna run out of petrol before I get home i'm absolutely knackered i'll go in the petrol station i'm too tired to make a right choice and the mars bars there yeah there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's tricky isn't yeah. it yeah. so i'd love to but i'd like to do healthier mm-hmm. food more but mm. it's realistic like it's realistic lifestyle i think which is why people follow me for my beauty advice it's it's yeah. realistic
3: right to finish i wanted to ask you three questions so the first one is what to your mind has been your greatest triumph career or personal um
1: oh greatest triumph um career or personal i think greatest triumph is just being honest staying honest yeah staying true to values always being honest sometimes honest blunt Mm -hmm. sometimes honest gets me in trouble arguing with brands or refusing to work with a brand or you know someone that will hand me a business card and say we could make a load of money together it's like oh please go away mm. um my life is not about making money you know i've I've. yes i'm i'm successful but i'm not successful because i tried to be successful
2: yeah
1: i just do what i do so i think on a, honesty on a one-to-one basis or in corporate on a big business basis, mm. basis mm. you know or in a personal family basis as well mm-hmm. okay um what one piece of advice would you give your younger self uh don't be so insecure about your looks mm. yeah because i'm very insecure yeah and i'm probably when i'm you know 60 will look back in my 50s and go oh didn't look that bad it's you don't yeah. see it till you passed it yeah
3: name three people dead or alive who you'd like to have dinner with and why have you chosen them
1: don't make me cry and <laughs> um, my mom because she's no longer with me mm. that'll make me cry um leslie balls because she's no longer with us you're really making me cry sorry I didn't uh, you haven't me. even got a tissue you've yeah. been cruel um <laughs> you know she died of cancer so she was my mentor in work um mm. and then oh uh someone at dinner then um oh jack Savaretti, because they could sing to us Interesting. let's let's choose someone i yeah. bought i bought that album three times did you yeah and, and yeah I've even, in fact, four times I've bought it—the same album four times. I've listened to him for years as well, wow. um, or maybe David Bowie. I'd have to have so can I have four because I've like yes, David Bowie first, four. hero, and then Savareti I think is going to be the voice of the next lifetime. Or yeah, the the fantastic the music Boys. at this yeah. dinner party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then have great music and company yeah. as well. Yeah. Can I ask you one final
3: question? This is a personal one. What yeah. mascara are you wearing?
1: Oh, this is um, Bobby Brown Smokey. It's nice. Yeah, I smokey. love that mascara. It looks incredible
3: on you. Oldie. Yeah.
1: A goodie, that yeah, mascara. I love that mascara. I use a lot of different mascaras, but then you can just go, there's some things yeah. you just can go back to. It's like, oh, perfect. that'll do, that'll yeah. do these events. I can layer it on, it won't go clumpy. Yeah,
3: yeah, it looks great. Oh, yeah. well, thank you so much for that. Oh, Allison. that's all right. Thank, thank you. you very much, Maddie. <laughs>